0: Hi, everyone. Just a reminder that this show is not legal advice, trading advice, financial advice, or personal advice. Enjoy the show, and thank you very much. This show is sponsored by Horizon Communications, a global vision for millions of people around the world, and by Unibrite, the unified framework for blockchain-based business integration. Yo, yo, welcome to Crypto 101, The Average Consumer's Guide to Cryptocurrency. This is Matthew Aaron, and today's show is pretty interesting. We have a behind-the-scenes look into promoting, fundraising, and organizing ICOs, and that's with Priority Token. And Priority Token is a consultancy group that helps people fundraise and go to roadshows and helps them get their ICO and the word out there. So how does this operate? Where does the money come from? Who pays for what? We're gonna find out in this episode. But before we get into that episode, I wanna say what's up to Block Camp. Blockcamp is an all-around, does everything in the blockchain cryptocurrency space. John Jones, Jeremy Furster, two Taipei buddies of mine. John Jones has been on the show. Jeremy, he just does everything. Blockcamp can help anybody if you're into cryptocurrency, if you're an ICO. So if you want to raise funds, if you want to do a meetup, if you want to do developer stuff, if you want to do well shit, anything. Check out blockcamp.io. And hey guys, thanks very much for this interview. Now, on to the show. Victor, how are you doing? Welcome to Crypto 101. Nice to meet you. Uh, Nice to see you
1: here on Skype. So we've got like a long distance between us, but it's still very easy to talk.
0: Yes, you're in Western Australia right now, yes? Right, yeah. What are you doing over there?
1: Right now, I'm uh, picking my family from the holiday and uh, getting them to Abu Dhabi, where we will have our next edition of Priority Token Investor Meetup.
0: Excellent, because this is what we want to talk to you about today. It's Priority Token, what you guys do, who you guys are, and then maybe we can get a little bit of insider information about ICOs, roadshows, consultancy, and things like that. Does that sound okay? Sure, let's start. All right, excellent. So first, what is Priority Token? As you know, most
1: of the hype on ICO and blockchain started last year. We came from venture capital funds industry. So it's uh, quite unusual for ICO agency because uh, most of uh, agencies are coming from uh, IT segment, from blockchain segment. So these like IT guys and digital marketing guys who uh, group together to serve their clients. Absolutely different with us. Uh, We started like as a bunch of people with very big experience in VC and then fundraising and direct investments Mm -hmm. in uh, Asia, in Singapore, in London, and in the United States. And actually this is the main difference because we will probably talk about the projects we support later, but just to start with a few words because it's quite important to understand who we are exactly, normally when we start uh, working with the projects, with the ICO projects, we'll look at them from actually from more or less a venture capital point of view. And if we think that the project or the concept is not really reliable, even in, in the old world, we would probably stay away from the project from the very beginning.
0: So just to be clear, because your name is a little confusing and I have the same problem. Priority Token oh, yeah. is not a token. It's not an ICO. It's a consultancy. No.
1: We actually, we say either like advisory or a kind of investment bank for ICOs.
0: Excellent. Because I was like, first thing I, I told uh, when I heard uh, your name, I was like, I don't have ICOs on the show. We have a show for that, ICO 101. Uh, and uh, they're like, wait, wait, we're, this yeah. is an ICO. It's not a token. It's not a coin. <laughs>
1: that The tokens that we support are the top tokens, the priority tokens. Mm-hmm. And we are like the advisory who is moving the, those priority tokens to the market.
0: So just to go back on what you said, you said that you, you look at this company or what you do from a VC sort of perspective. What is a VC perspective?
1: It means that first of all, since we all have more experience in VC, which invest at least on the uh, seed stage or even on uh, later rounds, not on pre-seed, it means that we look not at the idea. We look at the minimum value product or at least a working prototype. So when, for example, some brilliant guys approach us and say, hey, we have a brilliant idea that will change the world. We have a team of uh, four enthusiastic people, but this is all we have, uh, we always say no. I mean, probably we will be missing some uh, brilliant projects, but this is what I called uh, actually a VC perspective. We want to make sure that the team is already capable of delivering. So this is very
0: important. Okay, so let's go through the steps of what your company does. And let's just say other companies as well, just as a general thing. Let's just say we have an ICO, a token. Let's say it didn't raise any money. There hasn't been any kind of token sales. They come to you and they say, hey, we need your help. First, what do you do? And what's the steps that you tell them to go through to get your services to get them to their token sale?
1: Yeah. So first of all, we start with due diligence.
0: And before we do due
1: diligence, we do not provide any services at all. So normally our due diligence includes the following stages. So first we take a look at the concept of the project and how this concept is supported by either, as I said, working prototype or already existing business, Uh, for example, not in blockchain, but in different formats. So we need to understand that the concept is clear and it's competitive and we need to make sure that it's already supported by some kind of like either a pending business or prototype Mm -hmm. after that we take a look at the team and when we take a look at the team we, we want to make sure that first of all at least the core of the team, the core people of the team uh, already have experience working together on uh, maybe on different projects. And also we want to make sure that founders or like uh, CEO of the projects, they have very strong reputation. So they will not, definitely not put this reputation at risk. If all these criteria are met, then we start talking about how we can help. But one very important thing, most of half of the projects we support right now, they are not startups at all. These are existing companies who are doing their business. For example, we've got a client who has a successful business with revenue, with profits, with Mm -hmm. a very good team. And for us, they now want to implement blockchain for their technology. So they do not want to uh, to make a startup. They want to implement blockchain into existing business. And for us, this is the best type of clients because we are sure that they are reliable, they are capable of doing things, and also we are sure that investors all over the world will like this project. Okay. So this so, is like just an example.
0: That's good. That's a great example. So now you have these companies that you have done your due diligence. And you say, okay, they're probably not a scam. I don't think we could ever be hundred percent that oh. it's not a scam. They could have done a good SEO and things like that on their, you know, petted their LinkedIn profiles and all these other things. Made another fake company website that says, hey, we had a company before. So you tried your best. Let's just say. So then there's the next step. The next step is yeah. you you sign them on. How do you guys go about signing an ICO? First of all, how does compensation work? When they say you guys say, "Hey, give me tokens, give me shares, give me a down payment, cash." And and then if you say give me money, where does the ICOs get the money from? Because some of them are startups. And if you say, give me tokens, how do you ensure that they're gonna pay you and isn't that risky for you? And do you ever feel that if they do give you tokens, it's a conflict of interest in some points?
1: Very good question. So first of all, as a consultancy, we only take cash. So it could be a combination of crypto and fiat money, no problem at all, but we never take any shares or tokens. However, some people from our team can work as individual advisors in the advisory board for tokens, and we do not have anything against it. Just to make it clear, we do not see any conflict of interest. And about your question, where they get the money from? As I said, more than half of projects we support, they already have a source of revenue because they want to implement blockchain. So with this type of companies, it's very easy. So they just shop around. They take a look at the reputation of different agencies, and then if we, our due diligence is okay, then we just agree on the terms and price and that's it. If this is a startup, when we start to working with startups, it means that uh, this startup at least has like MVP or prototype, which in turn means that they already have some investments into their project. So it means that if a project is a pure startup without a product, without money, but just with a great idea, It's just no way to work with us with for this type of company.
0: Okay. So next question is I see these ICO roadshows all around. Actually, you guys and a good friend of the podcast, Black Camp, you guys were just over in Taipei doing a roadshow and you had all kinds of ICOs there and you guys rented a venue, you guys had drinks, and you had media and all that stuff. How do you go about organizing something like that? How do you pay for that? How do you get everybody to fly their CEOs over to Taipei? just take us through this process because i think the reason why i'm asking these questions and i and let's just frame these questions a little bit more for the listeners is i want to understand how money from icos is getting spent and how it's being distributed throughout different communities and different mediums to promote their ico
1: so then I will start answering your last question. And then I come back to your first question about Roadshow. Okay. Because when we start working with an ICO project, every client has four dedicated managers from our side. Uh, first one is a dedicated investment manager and this type of guy or girl uh, helps the project with a tokenomics with white paper with teaser with speech deck with validation from different crypto funds of the idea of the concept and all that stuff the second person is a marketing and pr guy and actually this is where all like pr digital marketing promotion listings and uh, all other necessary stuff comes from The third manager is uh, IT who helps with investors' dashboards, with uh, testing of blockchain concept, testing of the product and all that stuff. And the fourth manager is uh, event manager. So for example, in uh, Taipei, some of you could have seen Yekaterina who is in charge of international events, and she's communicating with the projects to understand which particular areas, which particular cities in the world this uh, project need to be targeting. And then actually we decide like a tailor-made solution for them so that, for example, you need to go to Tokyo, to Taipei, to San Francisco, to London, and maybe like to Mm. Dubai. So two most important things. So, okay, really Uh, quick, before uh, we go into that, how did you, how do you pick those cities? Well, actually, we communicate with investors and with blockchain community in approximately 30 cities
0: of the world. Okay. So you just just know. So basically, you go where you think that they can raise the most funds from. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So, and uh,
1: two most important things for the project to raise money after they have done all the homework in terms of white paper, in terms of website and all that stuff. So two most important things, digital marketing and PR. So... If the project is listed on all necessary uh, listings, trackers, and has a good rating and is supported by a good PR campaign in uh, crypto media and not only in crypto media, but also in other business media. And if this project is very well present at investors' meetups and big international conferences where uh, CEOs of the project can present the project, can present themselves and can talk to prospective investors, if these two factors... Are done in the best possible way, then 99% probability that the project will at least clinch a uh, soft cap for their fundraising.
0: Okay, so again, back to the stores. how do those get paid yeah. for? Very easy. When we do our
1: uh, investor meetups on our roadshow, we only uh, deal with our existing clients. We do not uh, take any outside clients, mm-hmm. so just for roadshows. For example, we have roadshow somewhere, let's say, in uh, Tokyo. We have a budget, very detailed one. Let's say we need 20,000 US dollars. And we have, for example, five companies who will be able to pitch their projects very simple we just uh, divide 20 by 5 which means every company pays 4 thousand so we, we do not try we are not aiming to earn any extra money on these road shows but uh, our aim is to make all the arrangements and all those places where we're doing our road shows so that people are present so that the, like journalists and media are there so that the community is interested this is a part of our general package
0: I see so how do you how do you charge that for example is that something that you say at the beginning of the consultancy negotiation? You say, look, our fees are, say, $10,000. Plus, you have to give me $10,000 for future events that we're going to try to organize. So you keep that money in like an escrow account to use? Or do you say, okay, our fee is $10,000. Then you go back to them and say, look, I have this event. Do you want to give me another four so we can get you into this event?
1: Well, actually, it's more of a second type. But we always develop a kind of preliminary budget. So just for project to understand what approximately they need to keep in order to pay like for the events and for uh, some other extra stuff. And then, yes, we come back with, to them with this kind of tailor-made solution where they need to go. They can approve. They can, uh, for example, they can decide the other way. It will not affect our like relations. But yeah, this is uh, basically how we do it.
0: And now a word from our sponsor, Horizon Communications. There are many communities around the world who have poor internet service, but without better connectivity, may never see great improvements in the lives of their citizens nor adoption into cryptocurrency. High-speed internet is a core service and freedom that most of us unfortunately take for granted, including many of us in the crypto community. However, in many countries around the world, having stable and fast internet service just doesn't exist. Horizon's goal is to provide great telecommunications service for both internet, voice over IP, IPTV, and cell services. To do this, Horizon wants to incorporate cryptocurrency and blockchain technology as a core service inside the company. Horizon will be launching in the Caribbean in 2018, expanding to Central America in 2019, and in 2020, looking to expand to other locations worldwide. You can learn more about Horizon at horizon.com. .co. That's H O R I Z O N C O M M dot C O, as well as visiting their Telegram channel. Now, back to the show. Unibrite.io Unibrite is a team of developers with 20 plus years of experience in business integration. Nowadays, most companies have strong interests in blockchain technology but struggle to use it. That's why Unibrite created the Unibrite framework. Unibright makes it easy to integrate blockchain technology into existing businesses. All you have to do is pick a template that fits your specific case, customize the business integration workflow, then Unibright will automatically generate all objects you need for blockchain-based business integration, smart contracts, smart adapters, and smart queries. For more information, go to unibright.io. That's unbrigh dot Their token sale starts April 10th, 2018, and now, Back to our show. Talking a little bit more about ICOs in general. Okay. Actually, I have a question before that. One of the main topics of the podcast for the past couple of shows was how can people get working in the blockchain industry? So we've talked about coding. We talked about, you know, UI design and all these different things that are coming up. Recruitment, retooling yourself. Maybe I'm a plumber or a truck driver and I know I need to go learn maybe coding to start learning how to do smart contracts or, or what have you. Working on the Ethereum network or, or in, in whatever coding language there is. Is this an opportunity for someone to go from, say, being a truck driver or a plumber or waiter or a waitress or doing whatever job they do as a normal job to start getting into blockchain industry by helping companies like yours put on roadshows in their cities around the world? Definitely so. If a person is smart enough and he
1: or she is enthusiastic enough and capable of learning new things, there are a lot of opportunities, not only in coding, for example, in digital marketing, a lot of opportunities like a bounty manager, when you attract more users to Telegram channel or to to WeChat channel of a campaign. And as soon as you understand how it works, you immediately start actually good work with good payroll for this work. And also you have a lot of opportunities. So in this type of environment, you can advance very quickly. So I definitely recommend your listeners to take another look at opportunities for blockchain because they are humorous. But of course, it's very necessary to know very good English because most of communication is in English. But for example, here you have a fantastic opportunity that most of your listeners, they know English and Chinese. And since China is one of the most important markets, investors in ICO and for ICO campaigns, you have tremendous opportunities how to make money out of of working with different ICO projects. So I think that a lot of opportunities still exist in the market right now.
0: Okay, cool. What do you think of ICOs in general? Like, what do you think of the business model of raising money through ICO? You don't own part of the company. You are hoping that they have a product or you're hoping that they have a good team.
2: Wow. I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at Current.Tech.
0: And you're basically giving them money to grow their business and then hoping that the market is favorable to you. So do you think this is a good model? Do you think it's sustainable?
1: Well. First of all, I think that one of the main things we are expecting is more and more countries will adopt some clear regulations for how ICO campaigns, how fundraising in ICOs are done, because this is very important for all reliable parts of the community. Mm -hmm. So answering your question, yes, I'm pretty sure that this model of fundraising is in itself is pretty reliable and it will last for more years to come. But what we definitely need, we definitely need some kind of very clear guidelines from regulators, from financial regulators in different countries, explaining how exactly this should be done. And actually we're seeing very good examples. For example, from March of this year, the country of Gibraltar, they fully implemented regulations for a company who are incorporated in Gibraltar and who want to do an ICO. Also, we have very good and clear regulations now from Switzerland. We are also expecting the UK to Join this. So, uh, when I'm talking about regulations, I'm not talking of making things more complicated for reliable and good projects. I'm talking just about the way how you protect investors, how you make sure that the project is not a scam, Mm -hmm. and also some very clear guidelines what you should do just to stay away from any legal trouble. So, Actually, I think this is also opportunity for your country as well, because a lot of companies in Asia are doing ICOs now and they're choosing the country for to be incorporated in. They are mainly now targeting Singapore, but in Singapore even with a fantastic business environment, still no set regulations for ICOs and the difference between utility and security ICOs. And sometimes some of our clients decided to be incorporated in Singapore, but after that, they have trouble opening bank accounts with uh, Singapore banks. And if, for example, Taiwan decides to set like kind of competitive proposition, competitive market for different uh, startups, for different ICOs to be incorporated and gives like a good guidelines and solutions for that. I think it will work out. Hundreds of companies will flock to Taipei to incorporate their companies. So I think that this could be a brilliant opportunity, actually.
0: Well, Crypto 101 and ICO 101 will be there when they do flock. Um... (laughs) Ah,
1: Please, (laughs) please, please stay. (laughs) And
0: and, and when you come over, you're going to hit us up so we can talk to your ICOs that you represent as well. Um, I guess the real point of that question was, do you think that it's fair for investors, the ICO model, because you don't own part of the company, you have no say, you give them money and you wait.
1: Investors, when they invest in ICO, they pretty much understand the rules of the game. So if investors are comfortable about those rules of the game, then it's okay. But also, as I said, we are always looking at everything from a VC point of view. And for a VC, what is important is return on investment rather than just like uh, physically owning some shares of the company. Mm -hmm. So if you talk to any venture capitalist and say, hey, you have two options. The first option, you own 5% of startup and you invest 1 million US And you have 10% annual return. And the second option, you don't own any shares. You uh, also invest this 1 million, but you have like 50% overall return on your tokens. And if the model itself is sustainable, 99.9% of uh, people will say, hey, we'll definitely go for the second option.
0: Okay. Hmm. Has there been any ICOs that you just didn't like? Where people just came to your office and you just said, just get the hell out of my office, man. Yes.
1: Uh, we uh, uh, truly yes, and I can think of at least maybe like twenty-five or thirty examples actually. Are so you serious? Is that many? Not one or two. Yeah. So of course, as I said, we are trying to do our best to avoid any possibility of scam for our uh, projects, and by this moment, we didn't have any.
0: So, wait, but so, also, so and, so when they're coming to your office, and I, I'm actually a lot of, pretty curious about what they come to your office and say. You don't have to say the company, but I would like to know what they do. When they come to your office and you say, just get the hell out of my office, what, did they, what was one example that you could think of that say, they showed you, they dressed, they, what did they say? What, what was their presentation?
1: For example, uh, we had a guys in London who came to our office and said, hey, we are a team of uh, three people. We want to make a project for drugs to make like, this affordable in those countries uh, where it's not uh, legal. And we say, and we have a lot of money. We can pay you just to make all the packaging promotion. We say, hey, we always stay away from any illegal or uncertain activities. And another example, when a team who approaches us, it's virtually just a team of three people. For example, they even have some investments, but they do not have any product at all. Mm -hmm. So they have some very, very far away concept. They do not have any product and they say look guys we want your help we need to raise uh, 10 million us and after that we will start developing our product because we are sure that it will break through the industry targeting right we always say no because this could well be a scam or just not reliable project so two types so first type, when we say no when the project is not purely legal for uh, international (laughs) international obviously and and, and, like uh, doesn't matter how much money they can pay but also we we will say no to absolutely legal project which is not supported by a real product and real team
0: right on right on i i I get that (laughs) that's
1: (laughs) it's true it's real it's it's real world
0: (laughs) has a project ever come into your office they had a product they had a good team and then asked for a shit ton of money that was just crazy. Yeah, and you're just like, happened, you don't need hundred million dollars, man.
1: Yeah, yeah. For example, I just yesterday I talked to Skype with very brilliant guys uh, actually from Singapore, and I took a look at his concept and so his tokenomics, and I said th- I thought that well this project could be quite interesting and then i said okay so how much money do we want to raise like seven million or maybe eight million and he said i want to raise as much money as possible but at least 80 million and i said why i mean you don't need 80 million even if you raise this money you don't need it for the for your project and he said look victor now we have a hype and probably I can get this 80 million. As soon as I get 80 million, I will invent some ways how to deal with this money. <laughs> and they said, Well, no, you're not serious.
0: <laughs> no shit. Huh. That's no. <laughs> interesting. That is very interesting. <laughs> I'm trying to think of more questions like this because this is quite interesting. Like because we always know that everybody has had a beer around the bar and said, Hey, I can do an ICO. Let's make it this token. Let's make that uh-huh. token. And it's funny to hear that people actually say, Okay, let's do that, get done drinking their beer, and then run off to talk to you. <laughs> yeah,
1: and when I'm looking into some projects which are not our clients, sometimes I realize this stuff. So uh, some of the projects which we decline, they still find a way to the market, and sometimes they are doing ridiculous things. So like uh, the project which first wanted to raise like three million, now I see it on ICO Bench uh, with a target of uh,
0: thirty-five million. Like,
1: mm. uh, <laughs> and so you, so, I mean,
0: that, so that means you drop them as a client. Yeah. Hmm, okay. And
1: uh, I think that this, it was definitely a good solution from our side because probably they they are just not reliable. It's right. uh, it's not normal when they want to raise fifteen times more than they wanted uh, one month ago, or two months ago. Like, right. It's, so it's they
0: they got greedy. They saw okay, we need the, we actually yeah, have great. a plan, yeah. and then they're like, oh well, we can get thirty yeah. million. Yeah. <laughs> no <laughs> way. How, how does the investor? How does the average person, like let's, let's say me, I'm going to invest in an ICO and I don't have millions. I don't have, you know, I might have an F to put into, you know, buy some tokens during a token sale. How do I figure out and understand which company is based off of greed and which one isn't? And, and okay, greed is always part of the equation Gre- or, or money and incentives or what have you. You know, everybody wants to make money and if they make a good yep. product, they, they should have. But how do I, how do I tell sure. which ones are legit?
1: So as a a crowd investor, as a private investor, first of all, you need to develop your own financial strategy. So either you up for some more reliable projects, but with uh, less probability of that you get 10x or 20x within like several months. But this project will for sure be developing and they will be still on the market in one or two years and they can give you good return on investment, like let's say in one or two years. And if you're this type of investor actually you take a look at different at scores of different listings trackers you take a look at how their token economics is developed you take a look and decide for yourself whether the assumptions are relevant take a look at interviews with the ceos and so you're doing this type of homework Mm -hmm. but some crowd investors they prefer a very risky strategy and this is strategy for when you invest in some projects which do not seem very reliable, but you have some kind of information that this project, because of some specific advisors in this project, the tokens will be pumped after the finish of ICO. And then if you have this kind of information or idea, You can invest some money and you can follow how like this token price is developing and then you're trying to sell on the highest point but it's absolutely different so the first strategy you're looking at fundamentals the second strategy you're looking at some possibility for pop and dump approach for the project so all of our projects we tend to develop (laughs) organically so they Mm -hmm. do not want to artificially increase the price of their tokens like five or ten times but of course they give much safer environment for the, but it, it, uh, it, for
0: is, the it isn't the ico that usually pumps and dumps it's pump and dump groups it's the it's reddit it's the communities how does the ico navigate that how does the investor navigate that i mean all you have to do is get you know one of these real prominent people on on twitter with you know 500,000 700,000 followers to say this ico and boom done it's it's mooning
1: And this is actually one of the areas where I also think that we definitely need uh, regulations because right now what we are observing is a lot of insider trading attached to exchanges and to the projects after they complete their ICOs. And insider trading is, as you know, is illegal in most countries. And so what we are expecting is that in order for the whole environment to be more stable, that these rules for illegality of insider trading will be implemented for crypto exchanges as well. Because what you are talking about is exactly like a case of insider trading.
0: Right. Just a couple of general questions real quick. What company, and let's talk about ICOs, what ICO have you represented or come across, and yeah, I want a name, (laughs) that you think is going to have the greatest impact in the crypto space in the future? Well, we brought two of these companies to Taipei just
1: three weeks ago. The first one is Faceter. Faceter is a platform for facial recognition technology, mm-hmm. which really will make a world a safer place. I mean, this is not just an advertising, this is true. And they are based on some real top-notch technology in their product. And the second one is one of the projects I personally like most, a project called SkypeChain. And this is their, like, platform for unmanned logistics, for, like, unmanned cargo and drones, unmanned uh, ships, unmanned everything. Since this area is developing pretty fast, and also these guys have fantastic experience in this field, and they already have this platform developed, and they actually, they need funds to improve the platform and to build this platform in more big markets all over the world. This is what I think that first, projects are reliable, and second, these projects... After they're implemented, they will really change the world to the uh, to make the uh, world a better place. So this is the type of projects I personally like most of all.
2: Right on,
0: right on. Do you own any of those tokens, or will you buy their ICO? Uh,
1: I, I already <laughs> did. Oh, you already did.
0: did. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, we're, we're, we're pumping your investment. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> <laughs> Who is the person in the blockchain space right now that you think is influential or that you pay attention to most when you're looking at the space in general?
1: Well, a lot of people with very big influence are there. I'm thinking of such guys as Tim Draper, as uh, Brock Pierce, as uh, Miko Matsumura, well, a few others. I would not say, however, that we have like a clear number one who influences the whole party. I, 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 I guess of, I'm just asking uh, your opinion.
0: Like who do you think? Yeah. Like who do I listen to? Like if you if I opened up your Twitter right now, who is the person that's tweeting that you go, I'm reading every every tweet he tweets.
1: Well, I mentioned a few names also uh John McAfee with all the pros and cons <laughs> after his name. He's you you, all, you know I, what I'm what I'm talking about. Yes. But of course, I'm following his tweets as well.
0: Of course. Right on, right on. <laughs> well, yeah. The market is kind of down. The market's kind of sad. Um it's, it's There's some green today, but it's been pretty red for the past couple of weeks. What yeah. do you think of the future? What do you think of the market in this year, 2018? Are we going to have to wait until 2020 or 2021 at the next Bitcoin halving to see any really, really positive gains? so
1: first of all i would not be very upset because of the last three weeks because this market is normal sometimes it's green sometimes it's red but what is important is that if we take a look of uh, how many people in the world have active crypto wallets at least 30 to 50 million people so potential is very big in order for this potential to be realized we need two things three actually first as i said legal and regulations for cryptocurrencies as well not only for icos for example you know that uh, in one of us state now probably it's arizona you can now pay taxes with
0: bitcoin which is they stupid by the now. way i was talking to a, <laughs> a, a which i was talking to a, a tax person that if you pay your taxes with bitcoin you're taxed on the bitcoin that you pay your taxes with because yes, you're, it's a this, realization uh, event uh, that's right it's stupid
1: right that's right that's right <laughs> so second People want more security. So, for a lot of people who are thinking of uh, entering the crypto community, they have read all those stories how funds are uh, stolen from crypto wallets, and they just do not feel safe. And they think, well, I'm not as like IT intelligent guy as like people who are already there. So, right. even if I if I start investing in crypto, maybe I will lose everything uh, over time. Right. So, th- so as I said, the second factor is uh, increase of security of. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 Secure wallets and all that stuff. And the third is how easy it's going to be for you as a holder of others' bitcoins to pay actually for products and services without any conversion, but just on the spot when you can buy your air tickets to make hotel bookings, even to pay for beer in a bar. Right. So when you have uh, four places where you can easily do so, combined with more secure solutions for crypto wallets, I think that this will boost the whole market. So a lot of potential still to come in. And when these two factors come in, into real life, i think that the price for cryptocurrencies can easily increase three to five times but it's hard to say when it happens maybe it will happen in the second half of this year or maybe it will happen in 2020 but uh, i mean right. we definitely understand what needs to happen in order for prices to
0: rise again right right cool cool um before we go are, is there anything else that you would like to add to this uh, conversation or anything else that we missed that you want to tell everybody
1: Oh, uh, probably just one more final remark from our side. This month, for me, it was the first time I ever been to Taipei. Okay. And normally when I visit some new places, as as old people, I have some expectations. Mm -hmm. And Taipei is the kind of place where our expectations were surpassed. So actually, right now, we have redesigned our schedule of uh, Asian events in May because we are doing another Asian tour in May. And when we drew our schedule in February for uh, May tour, initially, we didn't uh, plan to come back to Taipei in May, but we will come back. Excellent. (laughs) We will come back in
0: May. Well, next time (laughs) when you're back in uh, Taipei, I'm going to come up and see you and and shake your hand and say, nice to meet you finally. And no more e-meet, actual meet yeah sure matthew. <laughs> and, and go, so, see, our, and go yeah. see our friends uh, at block camp over there as well cool let's do it awesome awesome cool man victor ceo of priority token consultancy for icos sets up road shows thank you very very much for coming on the show and dropping some insider information about how icos operate and you guys operate
1: thank you so much matthew thanks for your uh, smart and intelligent questions really appreciate that and good luck to you and your listeners
0: hey thank you very much sir bye-bye bye-bye thank you very much for listening to this episode of crypto 101 and i hope you liked the behind the scenes behind the curtains look at ico consultancy i learned something i hope you did and we didn't do this in the beginning so i'm going to do it now Don't forget to go to iTunes, subscribe, rate us, leave us a comment. Go to our website, Crypto101Podcast.com, and send us an email if you like. Join our Facebook group, our Twitter, our Instagram. Become a patron. Don't miss the episodes that we put out for the patrons. They either come out way before anybody else hears them or they're exclusive to you. Go to the Patreon page and listen to the Doug Pike episode where he talks about the btc market and some inner workings of vericoin and virium which i thought was very interesting knowing how they pay for things and if he cashes out his coins very nice to know he also touches on charlie lee a little bit about what he thinks about charlie lee cashing out his coins and don't forget to check out ico 101 with aaron paul thank you very much and we'll see you in the next episode of crypto 101